Well, have you ever wondered when Jesus is going to return? I think for, uh, for those of us who are followers of Christ, we should all be looking forward to that day with great anticipation and great excitement. And it's a question that Jesus' followers have been curious about from the very beginning. When, when is Christ going to return? Uh, what are going to be the signs of his second coming? How are we going to know when his arrival is imminent? And, you know, that's a question that even Jesus' own disciples asked him. Going all the way back to the, the ministry of Jesus, his followers wrestled with that. In fact, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus' disciples came to him one day after he had just taught about his second coming. And Matthew tells us, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him saying, tell us, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, see to it that no one misleads you. For many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And in various places there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Then, I will then they will deliver you to tribulation, and will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because the lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. Down to verse 23, Jesus goes on. Then if anyone says to you, behold, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe him. For false Christs and false prophets will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. Behold, I have told you in advance. It's very interesting when we read Jesus' description of what will take place just prior to his second coming. You know, friends, it's almost like reading the news feed on my iPhone this morning. Jesus says, you will hear of wars and rumors of war. You'll, you'll see nation rising against nation. You'll, you'll hear of wars, famines, natural disasters, earthquakes in various places. You'll see an increase in the persecution of God's people. And Jesus says, all these are the beginning of birth pangs. And friends, we're seeing these events take place today like never before. But it's very interesting when Jesus talks about the signs of his second coming. There's one thing that stands out, out among all the signs three times in this teaching. Three times Jesus tells his followers to be alert, to be watching, because false teachers and false prophets will appear seeking to deceive. False Christ, false prophets are one of the primary marks of the end times that Jesus' second coming is imminent. And friends, we're living in a day and age today where our world is literally inundated with false Christs and false prophets, false religions leading people astray. These things have been present from the very beginning of the Christian faith. In fact, in our passage this morning, John is going to warn the early believers about the counterfeit 
spirituality that was present in their day and age. And friends, that counterfeit spirituality has only increased as we get closer and closer to the second coming of Jesus Christ. In our passage this morning, we're going to find the Apostle John echoing the Lord's warnings here in Matthew 24. To be watchful, to be aware of these false prophets, to be discerning when it comes to matters of spiritual truth. Because as John's going to tell us today, there are those in our world who would claim to come speaking on behalf of God who would come claiming to be empowered by the Spirit of God. But as we're going to see today, the reality is oftentimes they are very far from God. So John wants us to be discerning. We're going to be in John, 1 John chapter 4 this morning, verses 1 through 6. If you were with us the last couple of weeks, John has been highlighting for us the true marks of a child of God. How can you know who the true children of God are? What, what, is a children of God, what do the children of God look like? So two weeks ago, we looked at five distinguishing features of the children of God. The fifth of those features, John says, is that a child of God is going to be devoted to other children of God in love. And so that's we focused on that topic. What does it mean to live out love as the children of God? And so John last week, if you were here, talked about how, look at don't just love in, in, in tongue and, and in, your, in your speech, but love in truth, love in action. Let your love be expressed in, in deeds for one another. Take care of one another. Be compassionate for one another. Care about each other's burdens. That's the mark of true Christianity, that we will love one another. And John last week, at the end of chapter 3, says there's one key indicator that distinguishes the true child of God from those who are not walking with the Lord. And he says the true child of God will have the Spirit of God within them. If we're abiding in him and he's abiding in us, John says at the end of verse 3, you will know that you are a child of God by the Spirit within you. So John tells us that there is a true Spirit. There is a Holy Spirit that comes, the Holy Spirit who comes and he lives within us when we put our trust in Jesus as our Savior and Lord. But there are also false spirits in our world. And John wants us to be aware and alert for the presence of these false spirits who seek to lead people astray. This morning we're in John chapter, 1 John 4, 1 through 6. I want to read our passage this morning. You can follow along in your Bible or on the screens behind me. John says this, starting in verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit... But test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard it is coming and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. 
So this morning, John wants us to be discerning. He wants us to be on the lookout for these false prophets, these false spirits that come seeking to deceive. And here in our passage this morning, I want to highlight for us four principles that John gives us here to help us discern spiritual truth from spiritual error. The first of these principles that we find is in verse 1. John tells us to test the spirits. We need to test the spirits. A few years ago, I was speaking down in Houston, Texas at an apologetics conference. And on my flight home, I was sitting in the plane and I was waiting for the plane to hit the runway. And as I'm sitting there, all of a sudden, about six guys come walking on the plane wearing dark suits. They got earpieces in their ear. And, uh, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe I shouldn't be on the plane right now. You know, something's going on here, right? Well, these six guys, you know, very serious, very official looking, they, they start sitting down in various places around the plane. And one of them happens to sit in the aisle seat right next to me. And so, you know, I'm not a very shy guy, so I ended up, you know, trying to talk to this guy, and I could tell at first he didn't really want to have a conversation, but I just kind of kept pestering him, and finally I discovered that he was a Secret Service agent. And, and I said, wow, well, is, is there somebody, like, important on the plane this, this morning? And, and it was actually one of President Obama's cabinet members, his transportation secretary, was on the plane with us that morning. And so because he was part of the president's cabinet, they travel with Secret Service for their protection. And so these six guys were there to protect this cabinet member. And, uh, and I thought, wow, okay, this is pretty cool. This is like the safest plane to be on, right? So, so I ended up asking this guy, you know, tell me, what, what is it like being in the Secret Service? And uh, he started sharing with me, you know, some of what they do. And, you know, of course, we all know the Secret Service is tasked with pr protecting the president. That's kind of what they're most well known for. They, they also protect other various government officials like this transportation secretary. But one thing the Secret Service is tasked with doing that a lot of people aren't aware of is the Secret Service are responsible for protecting the United States currency against counterfeiters. So, so the Secret Service, they're the guys who work with the Treasury Department to make sure that our money is safe, that we're not being passed off counterfeit bills. And so they're going around the country regularly trying to bust counterfeiters. And I said, wow, that's really interesting. Now, how, tell me something. How do you go about training to do that? How do you learn how to recognize counterfeit money? Well, he shared that there are a whole variety of techniques, but one of the things that they do, which I thought was fascinating... He said, one thing that we do in training to detect counterfeit bills is we will sit in a room for eight hours, five days a week, doing nothing but handling real freshly minted U.S. currency. They'll just keep bringing it in all day by the box load when we'll just touch it, feel it, smell it, handle real money, $100 bills, $50 bills, $20 bills. We'll just do that all day for eight hours, five days for a whole week, just handling real freshly minted money. And he says it's very interesting what happens. After a week of doing nothing but handling real freshly printed bills, he said the second they try to pass a counterfeit through the room, the, the instant it crosses our fingertips, we can recognize it immediately because we've come to know the real thing so well. Isn't that amazing? They know the real thing, the genuine, so well that they can instantly recognize the counterfeits. And as I thought about that, it, it reminded me of what our call as followers of Jesus is. 
One of our primary callings as followers of Christ is to be in the word and to know the word and to study the word and to know the truth. And as we study the truth and live in the truth and are guided by the truth, we come to know the real thing so well that any time a counterfeit would cross our paths, any time false spirituality or false prophets or false teachers cross our paths, we know the genuine so well that we're going to recognize the fakes instantly. That's our calling as God's people. John tells us here in verse 1 to test the spirits. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 3 through 4, the Apostle Paul warns us about the counterfeit spirituality in our world. As I said, it's been around from the very beginning of the church. Paul writes to the Corinthian church, I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. Paul says, I'm afraid for you. He was afraid for the church. Why? Because he says here that there is another Jesus. There is a different spirit. There is a different gospel. Friends, there are counterfeits at work in our world seeking to deceive people, even those within the church. It's very interesting, 150 years ago in America, there were only a handful of false cults and religious sects, groups whose teachings would directly contradict God's revelation in Scripture. But friends, do you know that today in America alone, there are over 1,000 cults with some 30 million followers? That's just in America Friends, we have a literal smorgasbord today of false Christs and false prophets and false religions leading people astray into error. And this is why, from the very beginning of our faith, here in verse 1 of John, 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, John calls us, test the spirits. Why? To see whether they are from God or not. Why? Because there is a true spirit and there are false spirits. And so we need to be discerning. We need to test the spirits. The word test here in the Greek is dokamazo. And dokamazo means to rigorously examine or to test for genuineness. In the first century, this word was used in reference to testing the, the purity of metal or gold. Is it the real thing? A few years ago, I had a gold coin. And I decided I was going to sell this gold coin to make some extra cash. We were going on a family vacation, right? So I was going to sell this gold coin. So I went to a coin dealer, and I took my one-ounce gold coin, and this coin dealer, man, he spent like a half hour examining this coin. I mean, he had this you know, special little ruler. He was measuring just the precise width and diameter. He was checking out the edges of it. I mean, he was comparing it to other coins. He, he scratched some of the gold dust off the edge of it and poured some acid on it to test the purity. I mean, he looked at this thing like intensely, rigorously. And why? It was because, friends, we were making a deal of great significance, of great worth. And when it comes to making decisions of great significance and great worth, I'm going to tell you something. There is no decision greater than making sure you're buying into the genuine spiritual truth that comes from God. 
that you're not buying into the falsehoods, to the lies, to the counterfeits. And so John calls us here to test the spirits. Now, friends, you need to understand something this morning. Just because someone comes and claims to speak for Christ or by the power of the Spirit or by the authority of the Father doesn't mean they're speaking genuine spiritual truth. There are counterfeits out there. We need to be alert and be aware. And these counterfeits and the false prophets that promote them are encouraged and empowered by a different spirit. And it's not the Holy Spirit. There's a different spirit empowering these counterfeits. Who is this different spirit? The Apostle Paul tells us the source of these different spirits. 1 Timothy 4, verse 1. But the spirit, the true spirit, the Holy Spirit, explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to who? To deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. Friends, what is the source of these counterfeits in our world? The deceitful spirits and doctrine of demons, Paul tells us. See, we've talked about this many times here at Lakes Free, but Satan's goal for you, for our world, his only agenda is to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus says, John 10, 10, that's Satan's goal for you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy in walking with the Lord and following God's will for your life and, and walking faithfully in the ways that God has prescribed in his word. He wants to steal your joy from knowing that, life and life to the full. And then he wants to kill your hope and he does that when we fall into temptation, when we stray into sin, when we wander into rebellion. Then Satan gets us to buy the lie that there's no forgiveness, there's no grace, there's no way God would ever accept you again. But ultimately, he wants to destroy your soul. He wants to destroy you in a way that separates you from your creator God for all of eternity, friends. That's his whole agenda. He steals, he kills, and he destroys. That's all he wants. And one of Satan's primary tactics that he uses to do this is to deceive people with counterfeit spiritual truth. Why? Because Satan knows that if he were to come directly to you and say, hey, my name's Satan, and, and by the way, just ignore that Jesus guy and don't listen to the Bible. Just, just follow me. I, I'm going to take you the right direction. Satan knows nobody would fall for that. Yeah, whatever. And so what does he do? He comes disguised as a counterfeit, something that looks like the genuine thing but is very different from the genuine thing and thereby he gets you enslaved into bondage following after a false gospel, a false religion, a false system, thinking that you can earn your own salvation, something that you can do to, to prove your worthiness to God, taking your eyes off of the pure and simple message of the gospel that salvation comes by grace through faith in Jesus. Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you have ever had the Jehovah's Witnesses come to your front door. Let me see a show of hands this morning. Look at that. Okay, almost everybody in the room here today. Friends, do you know this morning that the Jehovah's Witnesses have the entire United States mapped out, every neighborhood, every home in the United States, they have mapped out with the specific goal of visiting every home in America at least once this year. 
That's their goal. They want to visit every home in America at least once this year. Last year, in fact, last year, their nearly 4 million members here in America spent over 835 million hours going door-to-door witnessing in the United States. The average Jehovah's Witness will spend 8 to 10 hours a week going door-to-door trying to promote the Watchtower Bible and Tract Society. And friends, do you want to know who their number one target is? You want to know who the Jehovah's Witnesses intentionally seek after? Their favorite target are untrained Christians. Why would that be? They look for Christians who know the words, who know the terminology. Oh, yeah, we believe in Jesus. Oh, yeah, we believe the Bible. Oh, yeah, we, we've heard the gospel before. And the Jehovah's Witnesses will use all of that Christian terminology, but what they do is they twist it and they redefine it to fit their own man-made teachings and their own false doctrines. As a matter of fact, their latest tactic, if the Jehovah's Witnesses come to your front door, their latest tactic is they will now, when you answer your front door, they will now introduce themselves as Jehovah's Christian Witnesses. Oh, you're Christian. Cool, I'm a Christian. Well, that's great. Maybe we should have a Bible study together. And they end up leading people astray with their false teachings. We'll talk more about that here in a minute. But this is why John tells us we need to test the spirits. Are they from God or not? Because there is genuine truth and there is false truth. And so we, must, we need to test the spirits. Secondly, John tells us, principle number two this morning, John says not only do we need to test the spirits, but we need to recognize the spirits. So here's the question. How do we recognize the true spirit of God from the deceiving spirits of our spiritual adversary, the devil? How do we know if someone is proclaiming genuine, life-giving truth or if they're peddling a counterfeit that will lead to spiritual destruction? Well, here in verses 2 through 3, John gives us a means of examination. If you have your Bibles, look at verses 2 and 3. John says this, By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. Friends, how can you know if you're following the true spirit of God or not? John says the key is Jesus Christ. What does the person or the minister or the church or the organization say about Jesus Christ? Do they have the right Jesus? That's the test. John says here in verse 2, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Now, please understand, friends, John isn't saying here that if someone simply acknowledges a person named Jesus who lived and walked on this earth, that that person is a legitimate spiritual authority. That's not at all what he's saying. Rather, this statement is actually pregnant with far greater meaning and significance. When John says, do they believe that Jesus has come in the flesh, what he's referring to there are all of the essential truths about Jesus that he has already conveyed in this letter as well as in his gospel. He's referring to the totality of God's revealed truth about who Jesus is. The reality that Jesus is God incarnate. 
that he is our eternal God, the creator who is from the beginning, that he is the God who took on flesh, becoming a man, fully identifying with our humanity, that he is fully God and fully man in perfect unison. And as such, he's the perfect and only sufficient sacrifice for our sins. He's our propitiation. He's our advocate. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All of these things John has in mind when he says, do they confess Jesus Christ has come in the flesh? Do they have the real Jesus? Friends, what do you believe about Jesus? Who is Jesus? See, that's the test. And if you've got the wrong Jesus, the Spirit of God is not truly present You've been deceived. And who's doing the deceiving? Look again at verse 3. John says it's the spirit of the Antichrist. That's who's doing the deceiving. Three weeks ago, Pastor Rick taught, and he talked a little bit about the Antichrist. John has brought him up already in this letter. The word Antichrist literally means to be against Christ, to be against Jesus. And there is a figure in the Bible, an Antichrist, capital A, who is going to be a real person. He will be a demonically inspired world leader who will preside over a period of history known as the tribulation, a great period of trial and suffering. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the apostle Paul calls him the man of lawlessness. One of the things he will do is he will create a one-world system a one-world government, a one-world religion. He will set himself up on a throne in a new temple rebuilt in Jerusalem, and he will command the world to worship him as God. He is the Antichrist. John says he is coming. But John also tells us that he is already present. The spirit of the Antichrist is already present. How so, friends? Friends, the spirit of the Antichrist is this satanic, supernatural opposition to Christ and his work that's already present in the world. The spirit of the Antichrist, the same spirit that is going to empower and motivate this figure during the period of the tribulation is already at work in the world through the false prophets leading people astray. And friends... As I said earlier, we literally have today a smorgasbord, a buffet line of false Christs and false prophets in our world. Our world today is being fed false Christs, false Jesuses like never before. Who is the Jesus of the spirit of the Antichrist? Let me just share with you some examples this morning. Religions that claim to believe in Jesus Christ. But they don't have the real Jesus. They promote a counterfeit Jesus. The Jehovah's Witnesses say they believe in Jesus Christ. But if you study Jehovah's Witnesses, they say Jesus is actually Michael the Archangel, the first creation of God. He came to earth as a man. He died on a stake and rose as an invisible spirit. If you talk to the Mormons, the Church of Latter-day Saints, Mormons teach that Jesus is the spirit brother of Satan. He's a, a man who evolved to become a god. He's just one god out of a whole pantheon of gods. And the cross of Jesus is insufficient for our salvation. Christian science, Jesus is just a divine idea. You could go on, Sung Myung Moon. Jesus is a man who failed. Reverend Moon is the second coming of Jesus Christ. 
the Baha'i. Jesus is one of nine great world manifestations. Unitarians, Jesus is just a good man whose followers mistakenly deified him. Freemasonry, Jesus is just a moral teacher. He's no better than Buddha, Confucius, Moses, Muhammad. Scientology, Jesus was a false dream implanted in our minds before birth by an evil alien named Zenu. People believe that stuff. The spiritists say Jesus is an advanced medium in the sixth sphere of the astrological projection, wherever that is. Unity, Jesus is a man who perfected a divine idea. The Rosicrucians, he's a manifestation of cosmic consciousness. Hinduism and transcendental meditation, Jesus is just an enlightened guru. He never suffered or died for anyone. Islam, Jesus is just a prophet. God has no son. Friends, our world today is full of false Jesus Christs. They're of the spirit of the Antichrist. They're leading people astray into false religion. And please understand this, friends. The followers of these religions, the people who buy into the spirit of the Antichrist and his counterfeit teachings and his false Jesus, these people are not our enemy. They are victims of the enemy. They have bought into a false teaching promoted by a false spirit that is leading them astray into spiritual bondage. And friends, our hearts should break for the millions of people who have been deceived by these counterfeit religions. And this is why, as God's people, Jude verse 3 tells us that we are called to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all entrusted to the saints. God calls us to contend for the faith. Why? Because there is truth and there is error. And there's a path that leads to life and a path that leads to destruction. And sadly, friends, millions of people in our nation and around the world are buying in to these false teachings. So we need to test the spirits. We need to examine the spirits. What do they say about Jesus? Thirdly, this morning, John tells us in verse 4 that we need to be confident in the true spirit. Friends, verse 4 here is one of the greatest promises in all of Scripture. It's an awesome verse. You are from God, little children, and have overcome them. You've overcome the false prophets. You've overcome the false spirits. And now listen to this. John says, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. What a great promise of assurance for us as followers of Jesus Christ. Greater is he who is in us, the true spirit of God, than he who is in the world. Friends, Satan may scheme, demonic spirits may counterfeit the truth, false prophets and antichrists may arise seeking to deceive, but as God's children, we need not fear any of them. Their destiny is sealed. They are doomed to defeat and as John says here in verse 4, as children of God, we have overcome them. The word overcome here in the Greek is interesting. It's nikau. Nikau, that means to, to win a victory or to overcome. Let me ask you, how many of you own a pair of Nike shoes? You ever wonder where that word Nike comes from? It comes from this Greek word, nikau. It means victory. It means to be an overcomer. And friends, as children of God, we have victory over our enemy, Satan. He has no power over us because the spirit in us, the Holy Spirit, is greater than any spirit in the world. 
Friends, you might as well be sponsored by Nike this morning. I'm telling you. I mean, Air Jordan's got nothing on any of us. Because greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. We have the victory. We are overcomers in Jesus Christ. It's very interesting. A few months ago, I got an email from Nathan and Christina Pino, two of our missionaries here at Lakes Free. They serve down in Panama with Youth with a Mission. And uh, they have a YWAM base on an island off the coast of Panama. A few months ago, one of their students there at their YWAM base, Sai Demon, manifest itself inside his bedroom in their base. Freaked him out. And their base was obviously concerned. Christina wrote me this letter. We don't know what to do. Like, this is, this is like way outside of my comfort zone. Like, we're praying against these spirits. We're asking for God's protection. But, but what do we do? I mean, you know, you see a demon, that's going to freak you out. So I wrote Christina. Let me just share with you some of what I wrote to her. I said, as for your demonic encounter and the spiritual opposition you're facing, I'm not surprised by that at all especially given all of the occult spiritual influences around you. They literally have a witch as their next-door neighbor. They have voodoo practitioners all over the island where they serve. They're surrounded by occultic influences. I said, look, I'm not surprised. You guys are on the front lines. That's where you would expect to find the enemy. The fact that a demon manifested itself in your home and base is obviously troubling, but it has nothing to do with you guys not adequately trusting God for protection. Remember, even Jesus encountered Satan. The disciples all confronted demonized people. Paul encountered people involved in the occult. Following Jesus does not insulate us from the demonic realm. In fact, like I said, it most often leads us to the front lines of the spiritual battleground where we would expect to encounter this stuff. But remember, nothing in this world happens outside of God's sovereign will and providential oversight. The truth I would remind you of and encourage you to take comfort in is 1 John 4, verse 4. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. I will be praying diligently for you guys. Remember, the enemy cannot touch you. He is simply trying to scare and discourage you. The good news, though, is God is sovereign and we are on the winning team. My best advice, fight back. If Satan hits you, hit him harder. You do this by staying faithful to your mission, proclaiming the gospel, and serving as Christ's hands and feet. Let him know you won't be bullied into fear or retreat. The king is on our side. Friends, greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. If you're a follower of Jesus this morning, Satan cannot touch you. He can attempt to discourage you, he can attempt to lead you into despair. He can attempt to lead you astray to follow teachings outside of God's word. But remember, greater is the one in us, the spirit in us, than the spirit at work in the world. And friends, please know this, the Holy Spirit's power within us is not just reserved for demonic encounters and spiritual warfare. Okay, If you're a follower of Jesus today, God's spirit is our source of strength and victory in all circumstances. Maybe you're here this morning and you're struggling in your marriage. Maybe you're here this morning and you're battling some kind of addiction. Maybe you're here and back home you're facing a mountain of debt. Maybe you're wrestling with some sin issue, some temptation issue in your life. Friends, I'll tell you something. If you're trying to deal with any of those things without the Spirit's help, 
you're fighting with one hand tied behind your back. God says he gives us his spirit to help us. He empowers us through the spirit. We have victory. We are overcomers. Friends, lean on the spirit. Trust the spirit. You may have seen our church sign out front this week. We've had one of our electronic signs flashing this week saying, give God your weakness and he'll give you his strength. Friends, that's biblical truth. Lean on God. Rely on the Spirit. Let him help you through your trials. He'll never let you down. The Apostle Paul in Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Trust him. Rest in him. Lean on him. That's such an awesome promise. We can rely on the Spirit. Lastly, this morning, principle number four, John tells us to trust those inspired by the Spirit. Trust those inspired by the Spirit. In verse six, John says, whoever knows God listens to us. He says, look, it, there are false prophets out there and the world listens to them because they're of the world. But if you know God, if you're a child of God, you're gonna listen to us because we speak for God. Now the question we need to ask is, who's John talking about here? Who, who's the us that John tells us to listen to? Well, friends, John is talking about the testimony of the apostles. He, he's talking about those men who were uniquely chosen and sent out by Christ and inspired by the Holy Spirit to advance the gospel and to reveal God's truth in the early years after Christ's resurrection and ascension. John here is commending to us the testimony of the apostles. Who should we listen to? Who should we trust for guidance in the world? John says, hold fast to the witness of the apostles. And we do this by looking to the revelation that they've given us. God's word, the Bible. God inspired the apostles by his Holy Spirit to reveal truth to us, to lead us and guide us through life, to know life and life to the full. And so John says, look it, if you're of God, listen to us. Stay rooted in the word. Stay grounded in the authoritative teaching of God's Holy Spirit-inspired apostles because this is where you will find truth and guidance for life that will never let you down. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, all scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. All scripture, friends, not some of it, all of it. And so when John says, look it, listen to us, he's talking about those Holy Spirit-inspired authors of scripture who have left us truth to guide us in our lives. Three weeks ago when Pastor Rick taught, he shared the story of Jim Jones, the famous cult leader in Jonestown, Guyana. November 1978, 913 Americans commit mass suicide following a man that they believed was the second coming of Jesus Christ, the voice of God on earth. And friends, if the voice of God on earth tells you to take a Dixie cup and dip it into a vat of Kool-Aid laced with cyanide poisoning. I mean, who are you to question the second coming of Jesus Christ, the voice of God on earth? 
and 913 Americans followed this man to their death, believing that he was the second coming. It was very interesting, the commander of the U.S. Air Force that was sent down to Jonestown to, to clean out the camp and bring all the bodies back to America for burial. When he got back to America, he held a press conference at Dover Air Force Base. It's very fascinating what he said. He said, the thing that interested me most when we cleaned out the camp, he said, we did not find a single Bible in all of Jonestown. See, Jim Jones had so thoroughly convinced his people that he was the voice of God on earth that they no longer needed their Bibles because I speak for God. I'm the second coming of Jesus Christ. Trust me, listen to me, I'll guide you. And they didn't find a single Bible in all of Jonestown. How tragic, friends. What is the common feature of all cults and false religions today? They all replace the authority of Scripture with their own man-made teachings and demonically inspired revelations. This is why John tells us here today to test the spirits. And we do this by staying rooted and grounded in God's truth. By standing firmly on the authority of his Holy Spirit inspired revelation and scripture. By listening to the apostles who left for us a record of God's word to lead us and guide us into truth. Friends, the Bible needs to be our final authority. Don't ever take my word for it. Don't ever take Pastor Stevens or Pastor Ken's or Pastor Justin's or any teacher in our ABF or any small group leader. Test all of it by God's word. That's our authority. Keep your eyes on the word. Stay focused on the word. Test the spirits by the word. Live your life according to the word. Friends, if you do this, I promise you, you will never be led astray. Let me close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this just hugely important passage of Scripture. God, you've revealed to us this morning the reality that there are counterfeits in our world and there are false spirits in our world that are seeking to lead us astray. And so, Lord, more than ever, we're reminded today of the essential importance of trusting in the true Jesus Christ and in looking to your spirit-inspired word for guidance and direction. God, help us to be like those secret service agents who know the real thing so well that we immediately spot any counterfeits that come across our paths. God, I pray that Lakes Free would be a church known as a church that stands on the word of God, a church full of men and women who are so thoroughly equipped and passionate for God's word that we are never led astray by the counterfeits and the false prophets and the false spirits in our world today. God, let us have a hunger for your truth. May we hold fast to your truth so that we can champion the one true hope of the world, the genuine, the real deal, Jesus Christ, your eternal son, who came to make a way for us to have a relationship with you. Lord, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the true spirit within us. Through him, we have overcome. In Jesus' name, amen.